Darkcast Network. Welcome to the dark side of podcasts. Living in survival mode is not a form of healing. Hey, everybody. Welcome to True Crime Connections podcast. My name is Tiffany and I'm your host. Today, I am here with Dr. Allison Snowden, who is here to share her story about dying and coming back to life to find her purpose of being a teacher of the new modality, Theta Healing. She is now Theta Healing certified and she teaches courses on to help others also learn this new modality. Hi, Allison. Thank you so much for being here with me today. I'm here, so I'm excited. I'm excited too. I just love talking about healing and I'm really excited to share into my Theta Healing work. I've just been having such good results uh, with clients and with the training. I just feel like more people need to know about this. I was literally drawn to this because you are speaking my language. Oh my gosh. I don't know like if you did any homework on me, but I actually have a nonprofit called The Crime Connection to like get trauma survivors mixed like with different modalities of healing. Like that's a huge like lifelong gold mine. I like had this whole download when I was walking, I think it was like six months ago, because I had a trauma survivor contact me and like badass girl, like refugee from Afghanistan, whole family got killed, then was raped, sexual assaulted, and then had, you know, vulnerable when you've had it once, then it's like you're vulnerable to it again, because of just that just trauma energy, like predators can feel it. And then she was traumatized again here in the States. And, and she was just like, I ha- I'm sending money over. I have no money. And I was like, <sighs> and I'm like, oh my gosh. Like I, I love training trauma survivors because like they heal so well with this modality. Well, I want to do a charity. And then I'm like, you know, my parents always taught me like, okay, well, what can you do now? And I was like, well, I'll, I can gift her like for, you know, like her healing. I've been, I've been with some therapists and some healers and like I told my story and I was like, wow, you, you don't know how to hold this energetically. Their field didn't know how to hold, hold me in that. And I was like, fuck. And you can read it. You can read it when someone can't hold you like energetically. And you're like, wow, you don't know how to hold this. This is a shock to you, but I'm the client. You're like, fuck. Who has the energetic bandwidth to hold this and that's not going to flinch? You know, like when I share my story and I can actually release and let go. So my trauma, I had the out-of-body near-death experience. So that was one of the most profound experiences of my life. And I was in this bliss consciousness, unconditional love. I was like, it did not hurt to die. But the context of my trauma was my parents were told that I was run over 
and it was an accident. I was in Mexico that I was run over by this motorcycle or this motor vehicle. I was like declared dead at the scene, but then woke up in, in an ambulance. They arrested a guy for manslaughter. He was thrown in jail, but my memory was pretty clear. And I was I was followed. I was uh, sexually assaulted by a group of men and my consciousness went out. And then somehow I was like floating up in the air and looking at my dead body and there's blood everywhere. And I was like, what happened? And then, but then I went in this whole spiritual awakening where I'm like, wow, like that's my body, but that's not who I am. And then I just became aware of like my almost quantum self that I'm, my identity is not like my human self. I'm much more than a physical body, a brain, and my consciousness lives on beyond physical death. I do not need a physical body to exist. This happened when I it was 15 years old, um, uh, 1999. And I had actually really prayed about it because I, around that time, around when I was 14, I was having like pretty much a existential crisis, uh, like very controlled nervous breakdown um, because I knew how not to show my emotions. But my sister had childhood cancer um, from six and Uh, when I was six years old and she survived, but I saw her suffer like endless medical treatments, people not believing she was sick or wasn't feeling good. People being mean to her, her, her teach, you know, just people being uh, not kind people. And then also like just seeing a lot of the people that she went through treatment with dying. Then my cousin died and I was like, I'd been to like 10 or something. I'd known 10 or something kids that had died from like six to 14. And I was like, what is going on? And so I just started to pray. And I was like, God, what is life about? Like, what is going on? I want to understand why is there so much suffering? And then I had this fear of death that I knew there was something beyond. I knew I was more than like, this limited definition of who I am of like Allison, who's like white, blonde, and, you know, this age and, you know, like I knew I was so much more, but I couldn't put my finger on it. And I just prayed. And I mean, my parents weren't religious, but I was like, I don't know what else to do because they definitely, no one else knows what's going on here. No one has answers for me. And I would ask, and my mom was like, I don't know. I don't know, Allison. Like, and the internet wasn't that big back then. So it's not like I could Google it. So I just prayed and I was like, God, show me what it's like to die. Yeah, I actually did. I did pray for that. I can remember, I want to understand what happens when you die. I want to understand why do people die? Why do people suffer? Why are we born here? Why are kids born here and they are suffering? Like what type of God would do this? And so I would just fall asleep crying. And then I had my near death experience. And so a lot of suffering just evaporated because I was like 
born and raised Catholic, but kind of cafeteria Catholic. Like my parents were like, whatever rules, you know, you know, like just, we like Christmas and the charity and like all of that. But, you know, that type of Catholic, um, that's what I grew up in. But when I had my near death experience, I was like, I saw past lives. I was like reincarnation, completely disidentified with my human body. Cause it's just, it's, uh, someone got offended on a podcast. I said, my meat suit, my human, my, my, my human meat suit, my costume, my physical costume. I know that like a lot of people who walk around think that I am like, my identity is this, this physical thing, but like, I know the truth. So I had this whole spiritual expansion, this, some would say, enlightening moment. I was in this cosmic, energetic field of love. And the love was so powerful. And there was no suffering, zero suffering. Everything was known. I was looking below and like my poor poor human body was just lifeless and blood because I ruptured um, my tibial artery. So I bled out a lot and there was this human drama going on. And I was like, whatever. And I was just chilling and basking in just this bliss and this unconditional love. There is no time and space. It's not, heaven is not a physical space. It is an energetic experience. It is it is, it feels like home, but it's not a physical space. So there is no talking because we're all connected. We're all one. And so it's just telepathic communication. And so you realize that like, I am you and you are me and we are all from the same field. We are one. And when we're on this human earth, we think that we're separate, but that's an illusion. So I was downloaded with all of this spiritual stuff and this, the power of love and the power of who we are and how amazing we are. And so I had this experience. I felt like I was up there forever. I don't know how long I was technically out of it or, you know, dead or not without a pulse, probably like dead enough for them to like put someone in a car and charge them for manslaughter. But I woke up and they didn't take me to the morgue. They took me to the hospital. I felt like I was up there for years because there's no time. Time and space is, is, is a construct of this dimension. And so when you're beyond this dimension, it doesn't exist. So it's the weirdest thing, but so like when you cross over and you're and you meet people that you thought had died or physically passed away they just transmuted into their energetic self they're it's just like oh what's up like no time has passed but like here on earth it feels like oh, you know it's like it's a it's so long you know and the, and you're like oh it was very strange. And then also I had this feeling, I was like, Oh, I'll just get another one. If that one dies, like it was very weird. Basically the message that was given to me was Allison. That's not even really like, that's my name this lifetime, but it was just like, you're here to love yourself and love others. And, and I had this awareness or this remembering that this was kind of, I kind of I remember before I was born, 
Um, and so I like re-remembered why I, why I wanted to incarnate, what lessons I wanted to learn. And then it was like, okay, so I was like, well, I'm not finished. So I bet I better go back into my body. And just as I said that fast as light, I was in my body and I was in and out of consciousness because I hardly had it. Like I had such low blood. I, and then I was in my body and then I went on the adventure of just surviving that I had to have surgery in Mexico and then I was airlifted. And then I, it went, I was in and out of the hospital for two and a half years just to have my bones heal because my bones were so badly crushed. Um, so my jaw, my humerus was just in like 200 pieces. It was completely pummeled. My ribs, my pelvis, my pubis and my ischium. So my butt and pubic bone were broken in four different places. And then my left leg was a double compound fracture coming out about that much on one side and this side, completely skinned and rupturing the uh, tibial artery. And um, so I lost a lot of blood. And that's why I, I think just, you know, just shot out. But going back, going back to like a trauma lens, um, when we experience like overwhelm or the amount of violence and trauma and atrocity that I experience and that some people experience on this plane of hatred or violence, you, you check out, you know? And so death is the ultimate disassociation. It's the ultimate, you know, going over. But I also feel that a lot of sexual, um, sexual abuse victims, um, that's how they survive that. And so they're, they're just checked out. And, um, that was our survival adaptations were necessary and then they become a problem, right? Because once the event is over, the trauma, the sexual assault is over and you're trying to play normal, like a normal human being and trying, and you have dreams and all these things, you're checking out for no reason. You're scared and you don't understand why. And maybe you kind of remember what happened, but maybe you don't, but your body, your body feels it. And you have these, I would have these flooding feelings of feeling unsafe. And I couldn't even put words to it. And it was so frustrating. And so I have this extreme, amazing, like I'm in heaven. And then I am funneled back into my human body. And then I don't really feel my body until after surgery. I knew there was something wrong because your brain, I think just is completely, I just remember feeling something is wrong, but I couldn't really feel a lot of pain. I could feel some pain. And then I woke up after surgery and I was like, oh my God. I was like, can I go back? Do I have to live? And they're like, nope, you chose this. And I was like, <sighs> and they're like, hang on, Allison, because it's going to be kind of hell for the next 10 years. Just pace yourself. And I was Jesus. like, Thanks. I was, <laughs> and I was like, okay, 10 years. I was like, oh my God. So there's the physical healing. And then it took about two and a half years till I was physically healed. And I felt like my life had stopped. And I was so focused on physically healing, but like my bones, they would, they were so badly broken. What happens is when you have metal plates on your bones, the plates hold your bones together for a certain amount of time, but only a certain amount of time 
to give your body a little bit more time to do the healing, but eventually your, your bones are like stronger than steel. And if your body doesn't do enough healing, the plate will start to move out of the bone and it'll, and it'll, you'll have to go back in and redo it. So my body, there's so much brokenness, literal brokenness. My body couldn't heal fast enough. So I had to have multiple surgeries because the plates couldn't hold the weight of my body and my body wasn't healing fast enough. I was an athlete. Like I was a runner. I was sixth in the country in horseback riding. I jumped over jumps. I was an equestrian. And so, you know, one day I'm running six miles. I'm like an, an accomplished horseback rider. And then I can't even move the next day. And so my whole world changed my whole identity, you know, everything that I loved and what I dreamed of was just put on hold. And that was the physical recovery. But then this was traumatizing for my whole family and my parents didn't believe, didn't believe me. <gasps> no. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. So they were like, nope, you were this. And I was like, but you weren't there. And for any of the listeners that have been gaslit or not believed, um, like I talk about this because it literally kills people. The shame and the pain of not being believed and the shame and the pain of sexual trauma and the feeling memories literally kills people. It is so awful. Like suicide sounds like a good idea. And this is something that is culturally inflicted. It is inflicted by people who love us. And it is a toxic cancer that needs to be eradicated with love and with awareness and with talking about it. And even as I speak right now, you know, there's a part of me, a little girl in me that's like, if my parents hear this, are they going to be angry at me? I've done so much emotional healing. I'm like, you know, if that's their choice, if they are, Um, but they have their version of reality and I have mine. And I had to come to a, a deep, like one-on-one with myself. And I got to a point where I was like, I'm not hinging my healing or my recovery on anyone else's timeline or on anyone else's opinion. And if they think, if they want to think that I wasn't sexually assaulted, that that was the paramedics and that was in my imagination. And if that's how they cope, that's fine. But I live in my body and my body was there and my body knows. And for my own sanity, I have to validate what I felt. And it was a lot harder when when your support system or when people don't believe you. Oh, you have to have a support system. That is so important. So important to somebody's healing. The crazy, the sad thing is, is, is that some people, some, even some psychologists, most doctors are not trauma informed. There were doctors that were like, Oh, but that didn't really happen. And I was like, but were you there, mister? Right. I was there. Um, Were you in Mexico with me? I I don't think so. No one was. I was by myself. The only person that was there was me. And there was no official report. And we all know that, you know, the Mexican police, sorry if there's any people who are 
are offended by this, but we all know that that people are corrupt and the Cancun police in Mexico and their state of justice is not very highly revered. Um, and with that said, I'm sure there's corruption in the United States police too. So oh, there's a lot of it. <laughs> I mean, it is not far-fetched. And it's actually, if we think about, you know, what has happened in the last couple, like, 10, 20 years of like the Catholic church with those scandals with that, with the gymnastics, um, the, how predators work and how things are and how victims are victimized in silence and, and punished. This is like the normal script because of my chronic pain, chronic injuries and adverse. And I've had 16 surgeries. Plus I've, you know, learned how to walk six, uh, six times, I would have pain attacks and like, it was just scary. Oh, for sure. I mean, this stuff can totally take down your life. Absolutely. 110%. With women, trauma survivors, I love, I love men too, but you know, like I, I, women, trauma survivors, especially with domestic violence, physical violence, sexual violence, they're my people. And this stuff works so fucking good. And I have so many good success stories where they went through every doctor, every functional medicine, acupuncture, yoga, mantra. Like these women are like, I want to heal. And they're like, what the fuck? And they find me. And then it's just like, we just heal the root. That's the problem. Getting to the root. Because we try to bury that shit so far down and we're fine. We're fine. I'm good. You know, oh, yeah. we're, I healed. I, that pain's not there anymore. And then one day it's like, trigger. <laughs> and you're like, oh shit. The nervous system only heals when it's in the energy of safety. Intellectualizing things is what used to be my favorite pastime. That's how I coped. I was like, I'll just think about it. I'll study it. I'll try to mentally figure out my trauma. Yeah, that didn't work. And actually you can see this on people because their, their root and their sacral chakra are so shot. The lights are turned off because of the violence and the shame and all of that. And so there's energy, excess energy. And so there's this over-reliance on the mental process. And so I see women and they're overthinking and I'm just like, they're like, I'm overthinking. And I'm like, yeah, like that's not normal. And I'm like, if you feel safe, you won't overthink. And people are like, what? For real. When you feel safe in your body, in your life, your brain will shut the fuck up. And, and it's like, oh, wait, I thought that, no, it's not normal. But there's like an epidemic with females just not feeling safe because of unprocessed trauma. The unprocessed trauma is always vibrating. It's not in the past. It's in the present. I mean, I went and got like my PhD in Chinese medicine and I still wanted to mentally figure it out because I thought that would help me. But you know, the nervous system and the emotional body, it, 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 it speaks in energy and safety and it is so intelligent. You just scared the shit out of me. I'm like, here, I thought I was good and maybe I'm not. <laughs> so I overthink everything. I maybe get four to five hours of sleep at night because if I wake up, there's songs in my head. I can't turn it off. 
Yeah. And I'm like, no, girl, don't worry about it. Like I literally super humbling time in my life. I finished like my doctorate. I'd been practicing for like six years and there is something that I had, there's a series of things that, you know, taken separately would have been okay, but it was like one thing on top of the other, on top of the other. And, and then I had like a vacuum of support, like friends had moved away. Like it was just a perfect, perfect storm. And my PTSD, everything, my pain just went through the roof. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm 36 or it was like 35. And I was like, I've spent my whole life healing and, and I thought I was healed and I'm like so vulnerable, so not healed and my tools aren't working, but that's how I found this modality. And then it's just been like a game changer since. And then I don't think I felt safe in my body. I didn't know what grounded felt like until like a year into my healing, into my theta healing work. I texted my teacher and I go, um, my brain is not talking to me. <laughs> I was like, I feel okay. I feel like I'm in my hips. Literally, girl, I, I would do like two hours of yoga a day, go run, lift, you know, whatever. That didn't ground me. And she's like, oh, yeah, welcome back to your body. And I was like, what? Completely disassociated, half in my body, half out. My mind is blown right now. It is. And I was talking to my sister and she's a cancer survivor. So like I call a medical trauma survivor because even though it's done in the guise of this is healing for you, it's fucking torture. You have no choice. It's like ridiculous and it is invasive. It's violating and it's not like someone attacking you, but it's a close second. You know, you, you lose your whole life. You lose your sense of normalcy, safety, your whole paradigm is crushed, which you knew is no longer there. It's it's just like being my trauma of being like attacked and and run over on the street. So, but and so and I was talking with her and I was like, yeah, I, I my mind is like calm now. I don't overthink. And she's like, what? And I was like, yeah, I that used to be normal for me, and I didn't realize that it doesn't have to be that way. It's like the weirdest thing. I don't know what it's like for it not to be talking to me. Like yeah. I can sometimes hear a couple, a couple, couple people going on in there. It's like, yo, <laughs> if you're an empath. If you're in a lot of survivors had to become hyper attuned to their environment to not get beat, to survive. It's very common for survivors to be hyper aware of other people's thoughts. Have you heard um, of like attachment theory? Yes. So it's really interesting. Before I got really into attachment theory, I started when I was doing healing processes with my trauma survivors, I would unhook them from their abuser's field. And then it was like really funny. Then I would be like doing another healing. And then I'm like, she hooked back into it into her abuser's field. And I was like, what the fuck? And I was like, Hey, uh, Jenny, let's, can we test on any level I'm attached to the da, 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 field? And it's, she's like, I am. And I was like, girl, I saw you like sneak around and sneakily go into his field. I was like, what's that about? And she's like, I don't know. 
So the thing is, is like with the anxious and the avoidant attachment, it's insecure and it's, it is, it avoids, but then it's like scared of. And so there's this like push pull dynamic with anxious attachment, your safety is found like the avoidant. They don't feel safe in, in, with intimacy because they fear the person's going to like trap them or hurt them. And then with the anxious, they don't, their safety is connected to usually another, like to another person's field. And so unconsciously anxious attachment people, AKA empaths, AKA codependents, um, abandonment, trauma, overthinkers, when people pull away, they're like, I don't know, did I do something wrong? Am I okay? Are they okay? When I psychically look at them, their energy is like, you know, hooking in. And then the people, people feel that on, because everyone is psychic on some level and they're like, they don't like how that feels. So it's this, but that's what they did when they were younger to get their needs met. And, but our survival strategies never retire. They just continue on and then we get older and then we create identities and scenarios and and intellectualizations around it and then we're like i'm a scorpio that's why i'm <laughs> you know you know all of that and so really it's just like it's really easy we just create safety back into you we clear out the trauma in your lower chakras i.e you feel safe here on earth safe in your body safe in your environment and the thing is, is, is that you can be traumatized. Like I was traumatized in Mexico, but like the trauma's over, but the vibration's still there and the imprints are still there. So is the trauma over? Not in my nervous system. The trauma's still going. I'm not safe. And like, I can't convince myself I'm not safe. I have the feelings going on on uh, safety. And then on, in my in my visual field, I'm in my room, but you know, you have the emotional hijack, the amygdala hijacking, your whole nervous system's on fire. So I would be like, I'm safe. I'm safe. Allison, I'm safe. And then, and then you would have coping mechanisms. It's a fucking shit show just to manage yourself. So this is just a way to like heal it and reconnect yourself and like completely shift how your nervous system feels because you can't intellectualize that your conscious brain cannot, because we're designed this way. Our survival system trumps our conscious brain, our survival self trumps our desires, our wishes, our need for love, our desire to all of this stuff. It's like, if you feel threatened, if there's anything internal and then external stimulus that tips off your nervous system, it's like you're down. You're like down the rabbit hole, right? Right. I can remember my younger sister who's not a trauma survivor. She's like, Allison, you can control your thoughts. And I looked at her and I was like, Psst. I was like, right. That's funny. That's, that's cute. I was like, you can, I can't. It's like telling someone, you know, I'm going to punch you. Don't bleed. <laughs> right. And with trauma and emotional trauma survivors, I always tell there's so much industrialized shame and cultural shame, like layered in with everyone's indoctrination. 
And I felt it like I got it from everyone. And then, you know, if you're around that so much, then you internalize it because you you start to vibrate at, you know, the consciousness of your environment. If you're around it so much, you, then you start to shame yourself. And then that's just so healing. And then that just is a downward spiral. And then it's like, then you're suicide. You know, it's like, it's all of it. You're like, what the fuck? And the experts suck. Honestly, I mean, I went to all of the experts. I was like, you all have zero lived experience. You guys, you guys would, if you went through what I went through, you would, you wouldn't know what to do with yourself. My dad's a physician. My brother's a physician. So I grew up with them and I'm like, no, you guys don't know. And they don't know that they don't know. And then everyone's pretending, you know, and then it's not safe to be truthful. And then that goes deep with a lot of people's trauma because when I told the truth, I got hurt more. Or nobody believed me. No one believed me. Everyone gaslit me. We get the cultural shame from other people. We get the our parents, oh, God bless the baby boomers, but there's a level of narcissism or a lack of emotional bandwidth that was like, it, that's not in that generation. They, I agree. They, there's a, a level of abuse. There's a lack of exposure to healing at the prime time. There's a, you know, there's, there's a flavor with that generation and I, God bless them, but like they have so much pride. They, they can't even admit, you know, I'm fucked up or they're not perfect. You know, it's like, it's the weirdest thing. Or when you tell them the things they did, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. It's like completely written out of their minds. It's like, mm -hmm. ah, I was there. I lived it. <laughs> I remembered it, but that didn't happen. Yeah. It's hard first to speak out. Like that's an act, a whole bold act of courage. Then you're like bracing for someone not to believe you. And of course you're an adult and, some, and people will believe you or not. But when you have that unhealed emotional pain, regular stimulus from regular stupid people, sorry guys, but there's a lot of ignorant people out there feels like, like it's cutting your heart, your soul, you know, because we never healed emotionally because this technology was not available or we didn't get exposed to it. So our emotional body and our consciousness, and we never healed from that emotional wound. So we're trying our best to go through life and regular stimulus hurts so bad and it, and it triggers you. So a trigger is not normal. If you're being triggered, that is a sign that you have a, an emotional wound. You're emotionally bleeding and you need help. But the thing is, is, is that when you are in a survival mode, healing, you're, you're looking to survive. You're not looking to heal. And so the nature of being in a survival mode is just go, 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 denial, denial, survive. I don't feel safe connecting to my true self. I don't feel safe connecting to others, protect at all costs. And so the nature of being in that survival mode is you can't downregulate. With a lot of my clients, I have to deconstruct the shame because a lot of people have, have been shamed either overtly or covertly by people. Why haven't you healed? Why aren't you over this? You know, like, why don't you just forgive and forget? And you're like, I can remember people saying this to me. And I'm like, fuck, like, sorry, but like, 
fuck you. There's no one on this planet that wants me to heal and get over this more than me, probably second my parents, but like, I'm, I can't, like, I, it's not accessible to me. And so then you, then people don't know how to handle it. You don't know how to handle it. And then, so you stop being authentic. You stop being truthful. And then that is a slow soul death that slowly kills your spirit because when you're not authentic to yourself and then you don't even know who you really are because you've adapted and played the part so much just to even get by that you don't know what is real and what's not. Another thing I did when to survive my trauma is just to escape in fantasy. Man, I have the best imagination because I just like laid in a hospital bed for so long. And so I created all these fantasies and I can remember at some point I was like telling a story and I was like, it was just saying something about a major relationship in my life. And I was just saying this and I was listening to myself and I'm like, that is so not true. I created this whole scenario that this person really cared for me and they like really, it's actually what I needed, but I couldn't handle that. I was like emotionally abandoned at that time. And so in order to cope, when I was little, I created a story and I pretended I was like, oh, they care about me. They, you know, I lied to myself. I created this story that no, they really were there for me and it really wasn't that bad. But I always had this truth meter and your body is a truth conductor, especially a female body, guys. Sorry, men. But our bodies, you know, we know, we know when something is congruent and not. Your mind will forget, but your body remembers. And now I feel like in the healing world and in the consciousness of America, of healing, of podcasting, of this stuff... There's this huge divide between trauma and like spirituality and like manifestation. They're like kind of their own entities and they're not crossing. They're not connecting. And I think it's a problem because I had been through these different worlds. And when I was in the academic trauma, like, you know, inpatient because I could not function, it was all about your trauma. And I can remember being like, I know what happened to me. I just can't get it out of my head. I see when I go outside I and, and, a, and a guy looks at me in a sexual way, I literally like freeze and don't feel safe and want to run away and like have flashbacks. Or whenever I go to cross the street, it, it I have this huge avoidance and it takes me, it took me three hours to cross the street for, you know, when I was going to college, I had to get up and I had to go to school two hours early because it would take me that long to get myself to cross the street. There is, I feel like, I don't know um, if it's just me because I'm on the pulse of this and it's part of my healing journey to really demystify and to, I had someone ask me, they're like, well, why do you why do you keep on talking about this? I go, I was like, because someone can listen to me talking about this and uh, they can heal and, and they, they can know that healing is possible. 
and I can validate all of what they feel and they're not crazy. They're actually pretty spot on and it's other people that are in denial and that are, um, you know, dark, you know, denying it, reversing victim and perpetrator and double victimizing victims through this. And it is one of the most pain. I would rather have someone break all my bones again, than go through an emotional recovery and healing process of being emotionally gaslit. Um, the whole emotion that is, that is more painful. I would take a broken bone. I would take fit, that's easy compared to this. So I just want to validate anyone because there's a lot of people out there that have these invisible traumas, sexual traumas, have PTSD. And, you know, I had that, but I also, I have visible scars. And so I can compare pain. And I mean, my bones were really crushed. It really, really hurt, but there's nothing compared to that healing and that isolation and that second guessing and your whole reality. And you have to kind of like suppress it and you're trying to survive. It is one of the hardest things and one of the most, I would never wish that on anyone. But the fact is, is, is that I think it is, it is a huge cause for mental illness. Um, and I don't think people who have it, PTSD or any of these things are mentally ill. I think we live in a mentally ill society and it, and, and it is traumatizing our, our society and people in power who are abusive in power are using their power to hurt people. And then they are, then they are doubly victimizing them by calling them the problem that they have the issue. I wouldn't have struggled as much if, if, if people would have believed me and probably would have, that would have been an easier path. So the trauma is what happens to you and abuse and trauma is bad enough. And then you get doubly victimized and, and kicked or put down when, when it's denied. And then when you're blamed for it, I was blamed for it. Um, you know, that whole, you know, just world theory you have, then you get in with the ego people with fragile egos, um, because people don't want to believe that, that anything bad could happen to them. So then they, oh, well, it's because they were dressed this or they went out by themselves or they should have gone with someone, i.e. it's the, that will never happen to me because they did that, i.e. blaming the victim, thus removing the uncomfortable cognitive dissonance that a person feels when they witness someone suffering. And so people, because of their own lack of ability to hold their own shame or their inability to hold uncomfortable emotions unconsciously or consciously victimize victims again. So I'm here calling it out and saying that good people do this. Um, loving people do this. Our friends do this. Are they bad people? No. Do they contribute to the violence and the suffering of others? Absolutely. And so I really feel that speaking the truth, no matter what, 
um, and speaking my truth and I've paid for it, but you know what? It's worth it because guess what? If you don't speak your truth, if you, it will come out in other ways. And I've been on that side too. What happens in the dark always comes to light. I believe that. Through an autoimmune disease, through cancer, through accidents, through, um, you know, addiction. And it always does. And, and it's, and the shame and the shaming and the hatred and the violence, um, we can only heal. And I'm not calling because my parents are amazing, loving people. And they did something that really hurt me. It's not to shame people because I'm not into shaming people, but it's to really look at how we contribute to a healing or a violent world. And it's really to have us understand how we got here, you know, because like my parents have their parents and their parents, you know, this is, this is a lineage. This is ancestral trauma that's going through, through lines, through our genetics. And that what you, if, if you don't heal your own trauma, you're going to, and your own shame. And I, and Brene Brown talks about this. If you don't own your shame, if you don't own your pain, if you don't own your shadow, you're going to see it in other people and you're going to project it on them. So, you know, you either pass on the pain to other people or you take the spiritually courageous path and face your pain. And it is not easy. It's the hardest thing I've ever done. And I am not perfect either. I'm not an angel, but a lot of people don't know how to hold their shame. And where does this shame come from? You know, a lot of it comes from indoctrination, from religion, from social conditioning, from rape culture, from purity culture, uh, from just people not wanting to see the ugliness of this world, you know, so they'd rather turn the other cheek. They don't, you know, they don't want to feel uncomfortable. And so I like to speak out against people who, who blame victims. I have a very sensitive ear and I, yeah, I am, I am that person that's like, Oh, so wait, you just said this, you know, I'll call that that out. I've been the victim and I've heard gossip and it's crushed my heart. You know, I mean, and you think about it, like I was a baby, I was 15 years old. Like I was, my whole body was, I was so violated on so many different levels. God bless me. And you have people gossiping about me. You have people shaming me behind my, like, that is some weird shit. But here's the contrast of life. At the same time, though, then I there's amazing people that came through, right? I think when this happened, uh, I grew up in St. Louis, Missouri. No one was given the real story. Everyone was given the cover story of that I was there was an, it was an accident, that type of thing. Um, but the human spirit is beautiful. Um, and you know, some people just show up and you're just like, wow, people, people shock you with their, with their ignorance and their meanness and their, you know, victim blaming. But then also some people just amaze you and, and, and you see 
that contrast of, of people. And I think like, this is before like Facebook and, you know, all of the internet stuff it was like 99. I was like, I, I don't know. I think we just started to not have dial up. So weird. But like, I think like my mom didn't cook for like two years. Like people just figured out and like would just bring, you know, would make sure I was in and out of the hospital and I was one of four. And so people just showed up like that. And they rallied for you guys. That's amazing. Yeah. And I think, but healing of trauma is a deeply personal thing and people can be rallying around you and it does make a difference. And no one can, like in my, in my experience, there was this deep grief and aloneness that no, I I don't know anyone that had been through something like I, what I'd been through or no one talked about it. Right. No one's like, my sister had cancer and they had cancer survivors and they had like all this stuff, but no one's like being like, Oh yeah, I was sexually abused and raped and no one talks about it. Like support group type thing, or that's not talked about. You don't, you don't talk about that. You don't talk about your nightmares. You don't talk about how you don't feel safe. You can't even, I don't even think I had the words. A lot of the clients that come to me, trauma is the unspeakable. It is, it is beyond words. And so I think one of the gifts I give some of my clients is that I can look at them. I can see, and I, and I can be like, I know that face. I know that feeling. And I say, is this what's going, I can give them language. And they're like, exactly. Because when your brain a, there's not a vocabulary for it, but B, the neurophysiology of trauma and the brain, trauma memories aren't like normal memories. And that's another point. Maybe we need to make a you know movie or something or whatever. That's another thing. I get so upset and annoyed with people in the public about trauma survivors, um, when they come up and talk about their memories. And the thing is, is that there was like that confirmation hearing with like uh, Blase Ford and, you know, she was testifying that she was raped or sexually assaulted by the one justice allegedly. And, you know, I'm always pro survivor though. So I'll give, you know, why would you make that up? Why would you, you know, like I've been in her shoes. So I believe her. And, um, I can remember, you know, people being like, well, she didn't remember this and, you know, she didn't, she couldn't place that. And I was like, and that's normal. I go, that is normal. And if you expect someone who's been through a trauma to have any other type of memory, you are not in line with neuroscience. You are actually are presenting like you are up and up on the research and you are functioning from a paradigm that is not in touch with reality of trauma and the brain and science based facts. And you are expecting, it's like expecting someone with two broken legs to run a marathon. You can't expect someone who's been violated to have a coherent memory explicit memory of the event. It's, it's just not possible. 
Because like you said before, we check out. We check and out. It, yeah. I'm like, when I hear that, that's they're chipping away at their credibility and it makes me upset. You know, I'm like, she's credible. That's just ignorance. And that's, it's perpetuating, you know, the shame-based, humiliating, and trying to silence victims. You know, one of the reasons decision not to, because I could have not a, not publicly talked about this as a part of my story, but I, I really meditated and prayed on it. And I, and it was very clear. This is just as much as the message then as the near death experience, as the light, the love, like the potential, this, this ability to heal ourselves. People love hearing that shit. Do you think that, Do you think they like hearing how much maybe they may have contributed to someone's suffering, to someone's depression, to someone's PTSD or their inability to heal? Oh, yeah, you guys, you matter and what you do matters. And we are profoundly powerful and we're profoundly vulnerable to our environment, our health. Like life is fragile. And I always bring this back to our ability to sit with our uncomfortableness. This is a spiritual practice and also to be reflective and to educate ourselves on why we do what we do. And I think as a trauma survivor and as an advocate for victims, I'm going to speak up about it. And, you know, of course, there's a lot of victim shaming and a lot of pressure because a lot of people are very uncomfortable when people don't heal. A lot of people are very uncomfortable witnessing someone suffer and people have to sit with that. But here's the thing is what I've learned is violence, violence, physical, sexual, emotional, microviolence, tearing people down. Financial. Um, Finance, all of this stuff, this, these are realities on this plane of consciousness and it, and I've lived them and it hurts. So theta healing, I practice theta healing, but I always say I practice trauma informed theta healing because not all theta healers are trauma informed and um, not a lot of psychologists and doctors are not trauma informed. And what do, why is that important? It is important because People who are not trauma-informed and who are not educated or enlightened to how the body deals with or the different ways the body adapts to trauma, people that are lacking in this education, they ver- are very likely will unintentionally re-victimize or harm a trauma survivor without even knowing it. And so I just want to make that clear because there is a certain level of education of lived experience and of healing that a healer has to go through in order not to do that. And how did I become this is because I had so many people say the stupidest things and shame me and blame me for a lot of things. And I was like, okay, these people, like who is safe? It's just not as common. And I hope to change that and to be a part of the change. But I think if someone is listening to this and they're a survivor, you have to protect yourself. 
You have to ask questions. You want to make sure because when you are in entrusting your healing with a healer, that is an act of courage. It's actually, it's also an act of vulnerability. And if a person is not properly trained or they haven't integrated their own trauma and their shame, they may push it on you and it may harm you. And I was that person and I avoided healers and I, and I really would not let anyone in because someone had done that, that had happened to me three times and, and that gets tiring and, and it's, and it hurts. I don't want to scare people. I don't want to shame people, but I want to have the survivor really tune in and, and ask good questions and, and find people that they feel safe with, that are gentle, that are loving. What I've found is in the coaching industry as well, in the energy healing industries, which I could be kind of clumped into, you know, I think those industries are, are saturated with people that unintentionally hurt trauma survivors and they don't even see, they don't even know how to see trauma through a person. Um, so if I was with a person who was not labeled a trauma survivor and weren't, wasn't upfront, I, I have a very sensitive nervous system. I know what to look for. I look, I can read people very well. And so it's a nuance, you know, that I can pick up on and, and the people in the coaching and the energy healing industry, they mean well, but you know, like some of the things like with Tony Robbins and this like masculine, like push through it. Mm -mm. No, no, we do not heal. We do not heal trauma by pushing through, by forcing. That is what created the injury. And so trauma healing. And I think my intuition is like embodied divine feminine energy healing that is going to be the new, more powerful way because it's what we all need on a collective level. Our society has glamorized the forcing, um, just the masculine, the mental, the external, whatever. And it's not healthy. It's not sustainable. And maybe someone, if you have, if you have a person in your life, everyone needs at least one person that they feel a hundred percent safe with and that they feel loved by and that can see them in their messiness, in their process, unperfect, all of this and hold them and love them through that. And most people haven't had that. And it's something that is essential to deeply healing on such a deep level. Currently in our medical system, we are treating symptoms. We are treating, we have massive amounts of obesity, cancer, heart attacks, asthma, autoimmune diseases. All of these are rooted in adverse childhood events. These, and if you control for food or whatever, everyone thinks, oh, it's the food, it's the chemicals. Nope. It's the emotional trauma. It's the dysregulation. And that whole thing, what kills you, makes you stronger is complete bullshit. We need to both validate and understand and, 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 and feel the impact of what trauma does to a person.
and that that has real consequences. Absolutely. That's what we need. We need more healing. We need more understanding. We need to stop blaming people, start listening. We need to change the way people are, the way people think, the way people act. Don't touch people if they don't want to be touched. Like, don't, like, I don't understand. How is that so fucking hard? Like, a lot of people who've been treated or violated or victimized, that happened through a person. That happened through someone. And so when you're a trauma survivor, you're scared shitless. And that's valid because people have been mean and have abused. And, but there's this part of us that, wants to connect and we need to connect. And there's this part of us that wants to heal and we, and we're drawn to heal. And the confusing thing about being an abuse or trauma survivor is sometime we're like, am I being pulled by my trauma to recreate it? Or am I being pulled by my healing to like go into my healing? And I think I want to normalize that. um, And also deconstruct the shame for any abuse or trauma survivor who has maybe found themselves recreating their abusive dynamic in a dating relationship. They didn't see the red flags because red flags were love. Why would they see the red flags? That's normal. I totally agree. I'm going to make sure I put your information in the show notes for anyone who is interested. They can come and find you, take your courses. Thank you so much for joining me this week. If any of my episodes resonate with you, would you please make sure that you reach out to me? It's very important that I know the work that I'm doing is actually beneficial. And if you just find good value in these, please make sure that you subscribe, you're rating, and you're reviewing. Share it with your friends, especially if you know somebody could actually use this information in their own life. That's what these are here for. Keep finding strength. Until next time.